Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. How are you today? It's really, really good to see you, and I'm glad to be able to be with you. Uh, so my name is Mike, and uh, Mike Keaton, and um, I am part of the pastoral team over at Crossroads Church. And I don't know what your uh, long-term relationship has been with Palmetto, but uh, many of you probably know that Palmetto is really our mother church. Uh, Palmetto planted Crossroads Church like some 32 years ago, I think, and we are very grateful for you and thankful for you. So, uh, and I am very grateful to be able to be uh, a part of worshiping with you today. And uh, it's just great that we can have. Uh, a good relationship between our churches and uh, in our community as we all strive together to really accomplish the, the exact same thing, right? We are here to reach uh, our community for the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And uh, it's really, really good to be with you. So I, uh, what, my wife was not able to be with us today, and I apologize for that. She was looking forward to meeting uh, you, and I was looking forward to introducing her to you. But we inherited our uh, youngest grandson for the weekend. <laughs> and so that, um, uh, we were trying to help out my son a little bit and his wife, she had emergency surgery, so uh, she could not be here. In fact, she's probably delivering him back to my son as we are speaking. And, uh, but anyway, she passes along her love and appreciation for you as well. Uh, so we are just so thankful for the relationship that we have together and I do appreciate the worship this morning because I think it's just amazing how God just weaves things together, isn't it? And he's going to just lead us on a little bit of a journey here today, I believe. So by the Lord's help, I do hope and intend to share a message with you today about a kind of life that God really intends for each and every single one of us to experience every single day. And really, it's, it's the kind of life that, that is like the life of Christ in the soul of men and women, boys and girls. And it's going to come from a passage that maybe you might be familiar with, I don't know, but it's going to come out of one of the Gospels, Gospel of John, John chapter 4, in fact. And so I'd like to invite you to find John chapter 4 in your copy of God's Word, and we are going to read uh, these verses together. And just uh, uh, try to learn and, and seek what God has for us today. Uh, before we dive into the Word, I would like to ask that Holy Spirit speak to us today. So can we pray together and do that? And I just want to encourage you to do this. Don't just listen to me pray, right? You pray and you ask the Lord to speak to you today. Okay, let's do that together. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for this opportunity that's ours to, to just gather to worship you. And Lord, I just thank you for um, uh, this opportunity now. So Lord, we pray you'll speak to us. Holy Spirit, you are the one who guides us into all truth. So I just pray that you take your truth today, guide us in it, and most importantly, Holy Spirit, we ask you just to apply it to our life. Just change us. Uh, let it take root in us so that when we leave here, we leave different than the way we came out. So God, just, uh, just meet with us now. We invite you to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to read John 4, 1 through 14. I'm going to be reading from the CSB version of God's Word, and verse 1 starts off like this. It says this, When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. Isn't that an interesting statement? He had to. 
There was a mission there for him. It says, so he came down to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the uh, property of Jacob that Jacob had given uh, his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus worn out from his journey. It's encouraging to know that in his humanity he experienced a lot of the same things we did uh, or we do, uh, fatigue in this case, right? Said that he was tired from his journey, sat down at the well and it was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, this is the woman, the Samaritan woman talking, a Jew asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? So you can see that there's like some animosity maybe, just a little challenge in the tone of, of what she's saying. And, uh, and, she's, and it goes on and it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. So living water is going to be a key phrase. Verse 11, sir, said the woman. You kind of have to hear the sarcasm a little bit here in in her voice. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did the sons, his sons and livestock. So she kind of juked him a little bit there, right? With a little name dropping thing going on. In verse 13, it says, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. And here's the key verse for us today. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. This well, this living water will be this water springing up in him. And I really do like another translation's reading of that particular verse, the New Living Translation. It says it like this. Jesus, again, just quoting Jesus, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, here's the idea. The idea is that the life that Christ gives is a springing life. It's a bubbling life. It's his life erupting in us, through us, and from us. And so you see this this image on the screens here, and I just kind of, three different types of water. The first one might be an image of of what this this living water could possibly look like springing up in us. It's just like like a rapid almost, you know, it's just like, it's just going, and it's just wide open, and it's just alive, and and all these type of things. Or then maybe, maybe it's more like a mountain trickling spring, or river, or stream, Uh, just nice, quiet, peaceful, you know. Or maybe it's just drip, 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 you know. Or maybe another picture that we don't really have up here is you, know, you see like sometimes in the summertime like farm ponds where they just kind of like just get still, you know, like a still dead pond. And so when, this image came to my mind when I was thinking about this, 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 this erupting spring of living water that Jesus is talking about in, in us as his followers And it just, it makes me ask the question for me, but also for us, is this the description of his life in you? As you sit here right now at this moment, characterizing your journey, is this happening in you? 
Like which one of those images describes your uh, experience and, and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I mean, we think about his life erupting in us. It has all the things that go with it, right? All the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, temper, uh, self-control, all these things. But not only that, we've got gladness, we've got contentment, victory, rest, fulfillment, like compassion, mercy, grace, generosity, righteousness, holiness. I mean, the list could go on and on, you know. And so I just want to ask us, is this the life that we are experiencing in Christ? Right now, today, where you are in your walking journey with the Lord? Well, if we have to be honest, and I would be honest and have to say, yeah, neither is mine. Not like I want it to be, but I want it with a passion, don't you? Don't you just want that kind of like everyday experience in your relationship with the Lord? Where it's just like, is this incredible thing of, of a, this, this life that Jesus is talking about? And so I just want to encourage you by, by saying, look, I'm not as one who's standing kind of on the other side saying, hey, come on over, it's great. I mean, I am, like everyone else, I am a journeyman too. I am on this journey as well. And... Uh, and, and this is the kind of life that we desire, that God, that Jesus desires for us. But we have an enemy, don't we? We have this enemy who likes to fight against that life, doesn't he? Uh, and so Jesus said this about him. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Right? So the enemy, the devil, Satan, all his cohorts and everybody who works with him and for him, I mean, he has a desire to steal our joy, our, our excitement, our compassion, our mercy, our grace, our generosity. He has a desire to, to kill our enthusiasm for the Lord and, 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 and so on and so forth. But what did Jesus say? He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life. And what kind of life? Life abundantly, right? And it's not me trying each and every day. It's not you trying each and every day. We get up, you know, we're like, okay, got to put some joy on today. You know? It's not this task that we do. It's not a thing to do, per se. Because it's actually his life being lived through us, see? And then it kind of just erupts everywhere, wherever we go. He said it like this in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified, this is Paul speaking, uh, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer I who live, right? Like, I don't have to put all this stuff on. It's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and through me. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 kind of also testify to this. It says this, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ's life. Verse 4 says it like this, when Christ who is your life. And so this is the life that Jesus desires for each and every one of us. And I mean, like, so just makes me ask the question, do you have this life? Is this your life? Is this your experience as a follower of Jesus? Is this our reality? And I mean, don't you want it, right? I mean, who doesn't want that life? I mean, we all want this life. And, and we have to realize, though, that, that there are some things that, that help us and, and work with that whole thing to make it work in us and through us. 
and, and not just in us and through us, but, but to those around us and specifically the world around us that needs Jesus. I am afraid that, and I don't, I don't stand any kind of judgment or anything like that, but I am afraid that the church, and I'm talking about, you know, Palmetto or Crossroad, I'm just talking about the church overall, Big C Church, right? I, I am afraid that the church is in trouble today. I think we're in trouble because I think there's something missing in the church. And I think it's this, this eternal life, this springing well, this, this, this bubbling over, this eruption of the life of Christ in the soul of man. It just seems in a lot of areas, in a lot of ways to be missing, right? It just doesn't seem to, to, to the, the attraction, so to speak, from what God's doing in us to the world around us. It's like, where is that life and unfortunately, too many of us, and I say us, I'm in the us, right? I'm not, it's not me saying this about you, it's us. I mean, too many of us, you know, instead of this, this whole perspective of joy, gladness, love, compassion, mercy, great, all these great things that come from the life of Christ, oftentimes we find ourselves not bubbling at all. In fact, the only thing worry, uh, really erupting from us oftentimes is things like fret, and worry, and anxiety, and depression, and fear, and all these kinds of things. This is not the life that Jesus intends for us. This is not what he wants his followers to experience. And you think about that from a perspective of those who are not in the church yet, right? Like the, the, the culture, the world, the, those who are out there, the ones that we will encounter maybe later today or even all week this week. I mean, what about them? When they see you, when they see me, do they see this eruption of the life of Christ in your soul coming out? So much that they're like, dude, I want what you got. Like what you got is something different and I need that. Or do they see us and think, yeah, I don't want to touch that with a temple bowl. You know, what, what are they seeing from our experience and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? So the church needs a renewal, right? The church needs this refreshing, bubbling spring of life of Christ in each and every one of us. The church needs this. And I kind of put it like this. I kind of put it in a phrase, I wrote it like this, the church needs a deep emotional hunger for a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, when I say that, I don't really necessarily mean that the church needs to be saved, right? Because by definition, the church is saved, right? It's what makes us the church. I mean, there's always that possibility that there's somebody in the church who's really not truly born again, but I'm talking about those who, who, who aren't. Who need, I'm talking about the church who, who is saved that just needs that stirring in their relationship with Christ. That deep emotional hunger for their personal relationship with Christ. To be, his, to be close to him and to be connected to him. And I'm just afraid that sometimes in the church there just seems to be this thing that seems to be missing. And I would just call it spiritual vitality. Just being alive, you know with the life of Christ in us. Just the spiritual vitality that he's just, he's just working in powerful ways in our life. And not just because like miracles are happening, which that does, right? But I'm just talking about just that we're just in love. We just have this great relationship with him. So much that it impacts our daily life. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you like four different, this is not gonna be like rocket science or some new idea or some big aha moment, I don't think. I just want to just kind of suggest that there's four things we could do. I mean, there's probably a lot more, but I've just given you four today. Of ways that you can grow in that hunger for your relationship with the Lord. 
ways that you can gain back maybe that spiritual vitality, ways that, that the life of Christ can erupt in each and every single one of us. The first one is this, choose to be in love with Jesus. <laughs> I doubt there's a person in here who would say, yeah, I don't love Jesus. No, you'd say, I love Jesus. But I'm emphasizing the word in, in love with Jesus. Many of us know what the great commandment is, right? Matthew 22, 37 to 39. We've heard the great commandment. So, no, Jesus asked one day, what's great, what, you know, the, 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 the lawyer asked Jesus, what is the commandment, of, what's the law? And Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength, all your soul, right? He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. So this is, this is what, what the Lord desires, each of us, I mean, having this passion for God to love him. We could also follow the example of David, you know, King David. David's known as that man who is the, is the man after God's own heart. And, and, and these are some of the things that he said in his writings and Psalms. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. He says, I love the Lord. And he says, love the Lord, all you saints. He says, I thirst for you. He said, my body faints for you. Man, what descriptions are those, right? Like, does that describe our walk? Does that describe like we're thirsting for God, for him, for the Lord each and every day? Like our body is fainting for the Lord and for his connection and closeness to him? There just seems to be this lack of fervency, a, a, a lack of a passionate pursuit. And I would just call it plain old-fashioned desire. Plain old-fashioned want. Plain old-fashioned hunger for God. Are you in love with Jesus? So I grew up in South Florida. I grew up in Miami, Florida, and uh, went to a church called New Testament Baptist Church. And the pastor that I grew up under, his name was Dr. E.G. Robertson. He's gone on to be the Lord now, but he was this uh, traveling evangelist who later became a pastor and was at our church. He was like just one of those old fire and brimstone, you know, country boy type pastors and preachers. Man, he just preached the gospel hard. It was awesome. Uh, he used to say this all the time. I'll never forget. It. He used to say this all the time. When something was great was going on, maybe a truth in the Bible, some great song, I don't know what, he would get up and he would say, he would say, if that doesn't light your fire, then your wood is wet. <laughs> And it was just this great idea, you know, that just kind of captured this picture in your mind. It's like, man, I should be on fire for God, right? So I said that we need to choose to be in love with Jesus. Emphasis on the word choose. And I say choose intentionally because of this. It has to be agape love. And agape love is the highest form of love. It's, it's not a love of our feeling. It's not a love of emotion per se. It is a love of choice. It's a volitional love, agape love, because it's unconditional. You say, I'm going to love regardless, right? And so I, we have to make that choice. We have to say, I am going to be in love with Jesus. So let's, let's talk about that for just a little bit more. Uh, let's take, dive into that some. So every relationship in life, now, in this room, there's a number of people, probably husbands, wives, family, you know, parents, children. I mean, I don't know what all the relationships are, but every single relationship is, is measured by the depth of its communication, okay? So every relationship will always be revealed by the depth of communication, right? 
And so that's a very true statement. For example, guys, let's pick on the men for a minute. Is that okay? Can I pick on the men? Guys, can I pick on y'all? Okay, maybe one of you thinks I can. The rest of you is like, no. But here's the guy, all right? So guy, here's what guys do. Guys don't say a lot of words, okay? We are just not known to being very wordy, are we? Like you can put two guys in a car and send them on a half, you know, across the country on a, on a road trip, and, and they're not going to say a whole lot to each other. They're just going to look out the windshield, you know, and just have a, a, have a great, and then when it's all done, you say, hey, how, how was the trip? Man, we had a great time. It was awesome. It's just the way we are. You know, you talk about guys, they, 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 they'll stand around, their hands in their pockets, they're kicking the dirt, they're huddled up, you know. And, 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 you know, the friend, one of the guys walks up, one of the friends of the group, you know, and walks up and there's not a whole lot of words that got to be said because you just look up and you just look at each other, hmm, what's up, you know. Or somebody just points, you know, it's good to see you, you know. But we don't have to have a lot of words and we make this great connection, right. In our relationship, we'll talk about the game or whatever, this sort of thing. Now, women on an opposite level altogether, Okay. Women can get together over coffee, over a meal, something like that, and, and, and they can talk for hours, man. Like, they can use words for days, you know? And then when they come back, and, and, and the husband asks the wife, so, so how did it go with uh, so-and-so? Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we really connected. You know, it's like, how in the world does that happen, you know, out of all those words, you know? Or maybe let's just think about a husband and a wife, for example, that's been married for, I don't know, decades possibly you know we go from we go from this 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 thing where we're just really all lovey-dovey you know pursuing each other and then finally you know it gets to the point after a few years maybe decades I don't know it kind of just you know the conversation gets to be more like what's for dinner (laughs) we getting a meal today (laughs) talk to the kids (laughs) <laughs> this type of thing, you know. And that's like, it becomes about buildings, you know, the house, things about the, it comes about uh, budgets, our finances, money, whatever. And it comes about personnel, right? Budgets, buildings, and personnel, the family. And this is the conversations. And so, consequently, sometimes relationships suffer as a result. But the bottom line is this. The depth of every relationship is always determined by the level of communication. And so when it comes to growing in our love for Jesus, so much that his life erupts in us, our communication has to include just a couple things. I'm just going to, I mean, a lot of things, really, but there's just a couple things. Communication with God must include an appetite for prayer and a hunger for his word. We got to hunger. We got to have an appetite to talk to him. We have to want to pray. We have to want to converse with him. We have to want to communicate with him. And so that's us in prayer. We also have to want to talk to or have him talk to us from his word. So we've got to spend time in God's word. Prayer and God's word determines the depth of our relationship with God. And so, you know, like we talk to him in prayer, he talks to us from his word. And so if we were to ask this morning, well, how's your prayer life? Well, you know, it could be better, but it's not too bad. You know, I pray on the way to work or whatever, this type of thing. Well, how's your time in God's word? Yeah, you know, I'm not really good with that, you know. Well, here's the deal. If that's the case, then you know what's happening? You're having a one-way conversation. Relationships exist two ways. You gotta have him talking to you and you talking to him. We've got to have an appetite for prayer and a hunger from his word. You know, it's so unfortunate, man, because we have more wealth of information at our fingertips than we've ever had in the history of mankind. 
And unfortunately, we have followers of Jesus that are probably just not connected to the word, not growing their relationship with Christ, and they're, just, they're not experiencing this life that Jesus desires for us. We need that heart of David, don't we? How he said, oh, how I love your law. I love your law. I delight in your commands. And we got to have that. And you get to spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, choose to love or be in love with him. Not just, yeah, I love the Lord. Like not one of us would say, yeah, you know, I love the Lord, but are you in love with him? So I had a professor in college who, uh, I always thought it was strange actually, whenever he talked about his bride, he called her the wife, okay? Right? He would say, he would always tell us an illustration or story and say, well, I was talking to the wife the other day. You know? and, uh, and so, I mean, I understand. I don't think he really meant anything negative by it, but it's like, you know, it's like she was a category. <laughs> you know? And I think, unfortunately, that's what happens to us sometimes in our human relationships, but sometimes it also happens in our relationship with Jesus. You know, sometimes we've been a Christian so long, maybe, or, or just, you know, maybe it's just gotten a little dusty and stale and, 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 it, and it needs to be revived. So we got to choose to be in love with him, not just thinking of it as a category, right? So that's one way. Here's a second way. A second way we can uh, grow in this spiritual vitality, the life of Christ and the soul of, of man so that it just erupts in us is for you and me to be broken over our sin, we have to be broken over sin. Three words to kind of capture this, right? Contrition, repentance, and, uh, uh, and, and confession. Contrition, repentance, and confession. Let me just talk about a couple of these things. Contrition is just simply this idea of feeling sorrow or remorse in a court of law or if somebody's trying to be paroled, they always ask the question, what kind of remorse do you have? So that's the idea. Contrition is remorse. David said this in Psalm 51, 17. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. One, O Lord, you will not despise. And so that's a, it just reveals to us that this is what he wants. He wants us to be broken over our sin. He wants us to have this genuine remorsefulness that, man, I blew it today. I just broke God's law. I just sinned, you know, whatever that sin might have been. And it doesn't have to be some bizarre, you know, thing that happens where you're going to go to jail. I mean, it can just be, it could be a bad thought. <laughs> it could be covetousness. You want something that somebody else has. You know, it could be these kinds of things. And, and we just have to realize, man, I got to be broken over that. You know why? Because God is holy. He is a holy God and he cannot tolerate sin. But unfortunately, Christians, you and me, you know what we do sometimes? We tolerate our own sin, right? Like we just live with it. We kind of cohabitate with it almost, you know? And, 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 and unfortunately, sometimes we don't even call it sin anymore. Sometimes we just, we sin, instead of saying, I'm sinning, you know what we say? We say, I've been struggling lately. And it's, it's okay to be struggling, to acknowledge you're struggling, but also to acknowledge your sin, right? James chapter 5 tells us to confess our sins to one another, but mostly to God. And so we have to think sometimes that this is our standard. It, it, and our standard is, like, we'll, we'll say sometimes, well, you know what? I'm not so bad as those guys over there. I'm not, look at them. I mean, look what they're, I'm not that. But here's the problem with that. They are not our standard, right? They are not our measurement of holiness. That cultural morality is not our standard. So, I mean, it's, it's like having a straight edge, you know? So, 
I got this, uh, I got this, this six-foot level at home. Uh, and I use it to do different projects and stuff at times. And, uh, you know, I actually thought about bringing it today as a sermon illustration, but I just thought it might look a little weird, me walking in with a six-foot level, <laughs> okay, you know. But there's a six-foot level. So you, you put it on something, you span a whole, it give you the accuracy of a whole distance, right? And, and, and then that's the idea, is that God's standard is perfection. God's, it's, he, he is our straight edge, not the morality around us. And so that's why we have contrition, but also why we've got to have repentance and confession. And when we're broken over our sin, we have remorse for our sin, it just kind of naturally flows, right? I mean, you ever had that relationship maybe with parent, child, or maybe husband, wife, or just a friend to a friend where you, you, you messed up, you hurt them in some kind of way, and then the relationship kind of gets hindered and hurt and, 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 and damaged a little bit, but then when, when someone comes to the other and says, man, I'm so sorry, I really blew it, I shouldn't have done that, will you please forgive me? When you have that kind of thing going on, I mean, it just brings that relationship right back in line with each other, sweet fellowship continues, that's the way it is with our relationship with the Lord, and that's why we got to focus on that to, in order to, to have that, that, that experience that Jesus wants for us, this living water. Is, is to be able to, to make sure we don't get hardened to our own sin. So, two ways. Here's the third way. Another way to grow in that spiritual vitality so Christ's life erupts in us is to be full of Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't say the Holy Spirit, but because I like to refer to Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit. That's his name, Holy Spirit. So, like, I didn't come up today uh, and, and meet different people and say, hey, you're the John or the Mike or, you know, right? We don't say the whatever, right? We, we, so, it's our name. He is Holy Spirit. It's his name. He's a real person. And actually, he's our guide in life. You think about it. Jesus said, he's your guide. He's your helper. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. And Jesus actually told his disciples, it's actually better for you that I go away because when he comes, he's going to be your guide, your helper, your counselor, your comforter. And not only that, he's going to be in you, right? So we have to have this close relationship with Holy Spirit. Paul says this in Galatians 5.25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, he says, don't get drunk with wine. That's such a waste. Debauchery is the word he uses but be filled with the Spirit. See, without Holy Spirit, you know what we do? We just go through the motions. I mean, that was set up here uh, in the worship set. I mean, we don't want to just go through the motions, right? We want His life erupting from us. And, and here's what somebody said about that one time. They said, without 100% reliance upon Him, Holy Spirit, we're all just a bunch of copycats. We're all just going through the motions. So, Without Holy Spirit, we don't experience this erupting life. In fact, when Jesus refers to this living water, she says, where does this living water come from? He says again, I'll give you this living water. When he's talking about living water, he was talking about? he's talking about Holy Spirit. He's talking about us and having this relationship with Holy Spirit. And so here's the deal. In order for that to happen, we have to be yielded, surrendered, submitted, sensitive to Holy Spirit in our life. Now, I'm just going to make a confession. I'm not a good yielder. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I am not a good yielder. So, like, you know, if I'm coming up to, the, to the, the, the traffic intersection signal and the light's green and it turns yellow, I'm not a good yielder. I hit the gas, <laughs> you know? I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. 
you know? Uh, I told you I was a journeyman, right? I'm not on the other side saying, come on over, I'm on the, this path too. You know, or, or like if we're in traffic, you know, and we got a, one lane merges into another, and I, 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 don't, I don't do well with that, <laughs> okay? I hit the gas, you know? But this is what we gotta do, we gotta yield. We gotta submit, surrender, and be sensitive to his leading in our life. That's the third one. And the last way I wanna share with us how we can grow in the spiritual vitality so the life of Christ erupts in us is to fan the flame of evangelism. To fan that flame of evangelism. You know what? We are God's witnesses. We are his ambassadors. We are his missionaries to this community. He has placed us here. We are here. We are part of the, of the church. You are part of Palmetto. This, you are his ambassadors. You are his witnesses to this community to proclaim the good news of the gospel to all. First of those, those closest to us and then the, the next ring out, maybe the, 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 those who maybe not so close, maybe, maybe our subdivision, maybe the people on our street, maybe people at work. I mean, and then the next ring out until ultimately we've reached the whole community, the whole county, the whole state, the whole nation, the whole world. We are those individuals. Ask people this question sometimes. If you had the cure for cancer, what would you do with it? What would you do with it? Would you keep it to yourself? Or would you go clean out the hospitals? Just empty it. You know, like if you could share with like doctors and researchers and those who make all the medicines and everything, I got the cure for cancer. I know what we got to do. Here, you need to take it and put it out there so everybody can be saved and, and cured from this dreadful thing. I mean, what, would, would you do that? Or would you say, no, we're going to keep this one in the family? You wouldn't do that, would you? Okay, let me try that again. You wouldn't do that, would you? Okay, I didn't think so, right? (laughs) You wouldn't do that, right? So here's the deal. You know what? As the church, as his witnesses, as ambassadors, we have possession of the cure for sin. But yet, we keep it over here, Right? And we keep it to ourselves. It's like the greatest uh, secret never told, you know? And so, and I think this one flows right out of being full of Holy Spirit because when you're full of Holy Spirit, you speak. Go to book, if you go back and ever read the book, uh, read through the book of Acts, every single time it says or mentions they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they proclaimed his name. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke. Every single time. You fill with the Holy Spirit, you speak. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak. It's just the way it works. And it goes back to what we started. This is how the end comes, ties back to the first point, is that we have to choose to be in love with Jesus. When you and I are in love with Jesus, then what comes out of our mouth? What we're in love with, right? I mean, people talk about what they love. Every single one of us are experts at talking about ourselves because we love ourselves so much, right? I mean, every, every human being struggles with that. So, so we talk about what we love. I mean, if it's our favorite sports team, you love your sports team, you talk about it. If you love your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you talk about them, right? You love politics, you talk about it. You love celebrities, Hollywood, stars, TV shows, what do you do? You talk about it. You talk about what you love. It's just the simple truth. But many Christians say they love Jesus, but they don't talk about him. So something's missing, Something's missing, and I think it's that vitality, that spiritual life that should be erupting in us. It just kind of comes out wherever we are. And what about just even the simple truth of the compassion for those 
who are far from God. May we never point the finger and say, well, look at those people over there. Why are they acting that way? What are they doing what they're doing? Well, the re- it's very possible they're doing that because they don't have the nature of Jesus. And they need Jesus, you know? And so we just need to be compassionate towards them and be, be, be caring that where are they going to spend eternity, that if Jesus came back today, that if, if, if all this ended today, it would be amazing, right? But what about those who are far from him who don't know him yet? Do, do we, are we motivated with compassion because if they die without Christ, they will spend forever in any eternal separation from him in hell are we do we believe that anymore if we believe that it would motivate us yes it would motivate us to share to stir us to action and i think i think the old wet wood would ignite (laughs) isn't it true isn't it in the most exciting thing is when people are getting saved and baptized and when people are getting baptized and then you start seeing their life change you know like what about if what about if there's a couple you know who who don't know Jesus and they're fighting and they got all kind of problems in their life but then they get saved right and then they get baptized and then they start growing as a disciple and then are the way they start talking to each other changes and and the way their home is starting to function changes the way they start using God's money changes and this all these things begin to change and all this that's a beautiful picture isn't it isn't that what we're here for? That is exactly what we're here for. And when that happens, you know what it does to, to you and me? When we are the ones that, or we're being used by God to be influential in their life, it excites us. It ignites wet wood and helps us become what God and the Lord Jesus desires for each and every one of us. So in conclusion, let me say this. Why? 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 Why would you choose to be in love with Jesus? Why would you decide that I'm gonna, I'm gonna repent over my sin? I'm gonna be broken over my sin, realizing I've hurt God. Why? Why would you be full of Holy Spirit? Why would you fan the flame of the evangelism? Why? You know why? Because you need to be the church. And you need to be the church in a day and age when this world that's out here, you know, that we're all gonna go back out to here in a few moments, when this world... They need, they need to see the life of Christ in the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Don't they? They do. I'll share that by way of a a story as we finish up. So it wasn't just a few weeks ago. I was, uh, found myself up in Cumming, Georgia. And I was up there buying a car or trying to buy a car for my daughter. And I was at this little, small, rinky-dink lot that most people probably drive by and think, I ain't going to buy a car from that place. <laughs> but I go there. God brought me there. I, brought the, I was inside this little office with this guy, and it was just this run-down place. And over on the wall was this picture. It had a picture of a tree. And up underneath was like the roots going into the ground. And it had on the roots this, this, this saying I didn't remember the whole saying. I just remember reading it while he was doing paperwork over here. And there was things being said in there about prayer and God and, and all that. And I had seen it before somewhere. I don't remember where, but it just struck me. And I felt Holy Spirit kind of leaning in at that moment saying, you need to talk to this guy about his faith. 
And I was like, hmm, how do I approach that one, right? And I just said, I said, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Talking about the little saying on the wall. And uh, he said, oh yeah. He said, I try to live by that. And uh, I was like, oh really? I said, it says there, pray, you know, they, you pray to God. I said, do you pray? He said, oh yeah, I pray. I said, do you follow Jesus? He said, well, you know, not like I should. And uh, he said, but my daughter does. And he said, my daughter, she's eight years old. And she's always wanting to go to church. In fact, her neighbors are always trying to take her. And, and she wants us to go all the time. And, and so we go and we go out to eat and we'll be in a restaurant. And she'll be telling people at the table next to us about Jesus. He says, she's just like, I'm like on fire, you know. This eight-year-old. He says, I want more of what she has. The life of Christ in the soul of men and women is not just for boys and girls, amen? It's for each of us. And we each have to just come to a place where we're like, you know what? I don't want to go through the motions anymore. I want his life erupting in me so that everybody around me sees it. I want him to do that kind of work. Don't you want that kind of life? Don't you want that kind of life? Let's pray. As we pray, I just want you to kind of evaluate where you are and what God may have wanted to do with you here today. So if you're someone here who does not have this kind of life because honestly you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, in other words, you've never been saved, right now in this moment, in the quietness of your heart, you just pray, confess your sin to God, ask him to save you, give your life to him and surrender. If you've already done that, but you still aren't experiencing this life, then in the same exact moment, you pray, you confess, you ask the Lord to draw near, because he says, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And you walk out these doors different than the way you came in. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your heart, for us and the desire that you have, for us to have your life being lived abundantly through us. And so we pray that over ourselves and ask that to be true of us today. Save people in this room and bring people back to you. For your namesake, for your glory, in the name of Jesus.